Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. I have only ever been out of the country twice in my life. Both of those occasions happened within a few years of one another. The first time I was in middle school and I traveled to a walled-in compound in Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. The second time, a few years later, another trip to a walled-in compound, this time in Monterrey, Mexico. The only two international experiences of my entire life took place as short-term missions trips to impoverished neighborhoods in developing countries. I spent a week in both of those places, I was part of a crew of white teenagers who came to bring the good news to these poor brown people in faraway lands. Many of us witnessed poverty for the first time. We spent most of the days doing physical labor, building up the evangelical compounds in which we slept, ate, and worshiped, or pre-building the walls and a roof to a new church that we transported to a rural community to erect. We also evangelized and tried to lead people to salvation. Through street skits and public testimony, we came with something to give. When we boarded our airplanes to fly back to the comforts of our homes in Pennsylvania, we carried with us a renewed perspective. A few weeks after we returned, the church service would be handed off to us and we would take turns at the podium telling the few hundred people in the pews about how the trip had impacted us. It seemed like all of us borrowed the same lesson and repeated it. It sounded like this. This trip made me really grateful for what I have. To see people living with so little really opened my eyes. I think about those two trips and all my peers who went and think, we came so close to transformation. It was right there, and we just missed it. We went on those trips thinking that we carried the gift of salvation to give to others, but we had it wrong. Had we had eyes to see, we would have been the ones to be saved. I think it could be really hard for us to unlock the mysteries of the truths that Jesus tried to teach us. Some of those truths are, we suffer to get well. We surrender to win. We die to live. We give it away to keep it. Richard Rohr says this, the counterintuitive wisdom will forever be resisted as true, denied and avoided, 
until it is forced upon us by some reality over which we are powerless. And if we are honest, we are all powerless in the presence of full reality. I think one of the hardest ways to be a follower of Jesus is to be a person who has, through most of their life, plenty of agency and ability to have control over the circumstances of their life. When we consider some of the most intense things that Jesus said about entering the kingdom of God, I think this reality makes itself more clear, like in Matthew 19, 24, when he says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus knew that the path to salvation and personal transformation lies within the perplexities and counterintuitive realities of life. That we, that the path to healing goes through suffering. That we must surrender to win. We die to live and we give it away to keep it. When we stood before our congregation and recapped the lessons we learned on these missions trips, we often commented on how, despite having nothing, the people we interacted with had deep and moving happiness. Here was the ministry that the people in the Dominican Republic and Mexico put at our white and privileged feet, and we looked at it for a week, remembered it for a few weeks more, and then over time completely forgot about it. I now see it as a complete arrogance on our part to assume that the people we evangelized to didn't know about God's love for them. They probably knew it better than us. We shouldn't have been holding the microphones. <clears throat> I had not known if I was ready to tell all of you this. But all of you know me well enough at this point that I'm that most of my life is fair game for spirits moving. Vulnerability has never been hard for me. The last few weeks, the mystery that Paul talks about that power is at its best in weakness, and it is when I am weak that I am strong, has started to become unlocked for me. That is because on December 14th, I went to my first 12-step meeting of my entire life. And I have started on the first step, which is, I am admitting that I am powerless over food. I don't know yet the name of my disease, but I know that I am likely, likely a compulsive overeater and have joined an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And it is in this setting that I am confronting the mystery to be found in the reality that in my weakness, I am strong. I really struggled with the word powerless at first. I wanted to believe that I had something within me to disrupt my addictive tendencies. I had the willpower to do it. I knew it. But when you look at power, powerlessness as, hey, the jig is up. When it comes from the self-deception one must engage with to hold on to control, 
you enter into a spaciousness landscape, a spacious landscape of freedom and acceptance. The admission of our powerlessness has opened the door to an amazing newfound power. <clears throat> In thinking about the paradox of the upside down, counterintuitive reality of transformation under the terms of the Jesus way, I think that those of us who have grown accustomed to being able to control our own circumstances via money, privilege, status, or whatever it may be, can find the gospel of Jesus to be particularly challenging. And so many American Christians have chipped away at the transformational truth at the heart of the gospel and packaged it into a list of moral checkpoints that allow them to claim superiority without ever really changing their lives. The good news that Jesus brought, up, brought to us was presented to me as a young man on short-term mission trips to developing countries. But over time, the gospel of the American empire wooed me back. Here's another Richard War quote. Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people until you get to any real issues of ego, control, power, money, pleasure, and security. Then they tend to be pretty much like everybody else. We often gave them a bogus version of the gospel, some fast food religion, without any deep transformation of the self. And the result has been the spiritual disaster of so-called Christian countries that tend to be as consumer-oriented, proud, warlike, racist, class-conscious, and addictive as everybody else, and often more so, I am afraid. For me, the last few weeks have been kind of a bottoming out. It is a confrontation with my own limits and a confrontation with the myth of my own willpower to save myself. The mystery of why Jesus pointed us to the disenfranchised, the down and out and powerless people of the world is that he knows that they know. Their ministry, their stories, they have within them the gospel truth. All of this makes me grateful for communities like ours. We continue to create the space for each individual to come with their ministry, their stories, that contain within them the answers to the mystery of this counterintuitive gospel. Those answers come in the form of lived experiences. And if we tend to this space well, it will continue to be a place of safety for all of us to be vulnerable about each of our own confrontations with these newfound places of power that exist beyond the admissions of our powerlessness. Within our community, there are so many varied life's experiences, and each of us will know how to speak to the mysteries of we suffer to get well, we surrender to win, we die to live, we give it away to keep it. We must hold those stories with such tenderness and thankfulness. 
They are gifts to those of us who are engaging in the vital and beautiful work of letting go and unlearning, which is the path towards mature spirituality. Meister Eckhart said, the spiritual life has much more to do with subtraction than it does with addition. Some queries for open worship. How have you experienced the counterintuitive message of Jesus in your own life? How have those mysteries come into fullness for you? What has been the process of unlearning been like for you? Where have you bumped up against struggle and where have you succeeded? When have you arrived at a moment of bumping up against your limits to control something in your life? What was that experience like for you? What did you learn from it? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.